ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Welcome back. We just reset MixLR, so make sure you refresh. And uh, we're excited to be here today. Uh, Monday, August 14, 2023, for another live broadcast. And a uh, real honor to bring to you Robert and Svetlana Avila coming to you live from Sweden. Robert and Svetlana, how are you all doing over there? Oh, I'm doing great. Svetlana is uh, visiting her brother this uh, for a couple days. So she's not going to join us. Well, you know what? I hope she has a, a good uh, reunion with a brother. And uh, I just got to see my brother a week ago. And that, it's always good to see some fam. And uh, how you been since last time, Brother Robert? Really good. Really good. Yeah, since last time I, I uh, finished and published that uh, Guardians of Time book. And I'm almost done with the next one already, uh, which is uh, 40 Prophecies Every Christian Should Read. Wow. So that one's almost done. Yeah, that one's almost done. You know, when I started, I, it was going to be 12. And then when I started going through, I was like, well, actually, God has shown me a lot of stuff in 30 years. And so, and then each one is actually uh, usually at least three dreams. And then, and that puts the message into a little bit of a greater light. But, Brother, um, this is yeah. And then, uh, where do people go to get these awesome books that you're producing? Where do you, where do you advertise them? I have them all listed in ebook and print book on Amazon, and they're available as electronic books also on Google Books and on Kobo.com, which is a Canadian company, but it's international now. And I've also just, you know, praise God, after two years, I've resolved this issue with Barnes & Noble. So soon my books will be there as well. And then um, uh, draft to digital. I just figured out. Uh, so they, they'll put my books onto Apple and several other platforms. So pretty soon they'll be available everywhere. Oh, this is great! Now, if somebody wants yeah. to get in contact with you, um, what's the best way to reach you? Are you on social media like Facebook? Yeah, Facebook. I'm Robert A. Avila, and uh, I have a little blue cartoon icon. It's a picture of a man speaking with an angel pointing to the map of the United States. That's how you find me there. And it has the middle initial A, Robert A. Avila. Okay. We'll give that information out again later. Uh, Folks, welcome back. And um, this is a live program. Robert, before you bring the message there, you want to open us in prayer? Oh, great and mighty King, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the gospel. We thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord, 
for your sacrifice of your son. We thank you for the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Redeemer. We thank you, Almighty King, that you bring peace to this world, that you preserve things, Almighty King, through your obedient servants. We thank you, Almighty God, that your love flows into this world. And we pray, Lord, that this message will reach those who need to hear it. We pray, Father, that it will be a blessing. And in the name, the invincible name of Jesus, we bind every spirit that wants to block understanding. And we command you, get out. You're not welcome. This is a free hour. God desires that we should hear his word. Amen. Amen. Robert, always an honor to be here with you. And uh, folks, welcome aboard wherever you're tuning in from. Please invite someone to tune in. Robert, the mic is yours. Take all the time you want, brother. Uh, Thanks a lot. Uh, So I have two short messages. and But first, I want to share a dream I had last night. The Holy Spirit does this often. You know, the Bible says, in the hour before you need it, he'll give you. So I had been praying, you know, I'm writing this book about the prophecies, and I'm trying to put them into some general sense of order. And so I've been praying, like, Holy Spirit, you know, I don't really know what order everything happens in. Could you please start to show me, teach me how what order things happen in? So last night, I had a dream. It's, it's a little short, but uh, interesting. Uh, and it um, definitely supports things that Dimitri Dudeman have said. I saw that the United States was at war with China. And this war is already underway, and then war comes to the, con- the United States soil, but it's with Russians. And so this army group is fighting in a kind of a wilderness landscape, and the dream shows uh, a group of young guys. They're moving. A- there's a lot of logistics, a lot of supplies, boxes, crates of things, and these guys are working offloading trucks and putting these things in places. And these guys grab this one this one young man, and they say, listen, now we're going to kind of create in this mountain of stuff. We're going to create a space where we can hang out and have some downtime and just relax. Like, you want to do that with us? You know, we need some help moving these tables right here. So he says, yeah, that sounds good, man. I'm like beat. So they start moving these tables. And then he starts thinking about it, and he's thinking, no, no. And I had to pray about why he did this. I'll get to that in a minute. But I, he said, no, I'm not going to do this. He said, um, later... I will, my, uh, you know, I will have to consider my reputation later. Um, uh, and if I just say that I was slacking off when everyone else was fighting, it won't, won't look good for me. So I need to uh, do what I was, what I'm supposed to do here, which is to go and be in combat. So he goes and finds his unit and joins them, and he finds that some of his friends, because he's a well-liked fellow, that his friends had covered for his absence, and so he gets in no trouble, and then he ends up near the, the front lines, and he doesn't have the gear he needs. This is something I've seen in other dreams as well, that there's a shortage of weapons and things when they're, because they conscript a lot of people. They try to rapidly build this massive um, army uh, to replace uh, the initial losses and to build what they believe they will need to defend the United States, and a lot of people get conscripted. And so this guy, he needs a helmet. He's looking around for a helmet. And something that I don't understand is the first helmet he receives is really large. And he says, what's the purpose of this helmet? And the quartermaster says, okay, that's not the one you need. You can go pick one from over there. And he points, and there's just this huge mound. I mean, really, it's almost the, the height of a, bu- of a building, like a single-story building. And it's really wide. It's just this big mountain of used gear, uh, uh, body armor, helmets, backpacks, 
and you, and you and he kind of stares at it and he's stunned because it the impact is that these are all from people who've already dead <laughs> so they that's what how this stuff has been recovered and that's what they have and this guy suddenly it hits him like this isn't as simple as i thought it was going to be and all i was praying about it, i was like lord why did this guy you know want to um why was he concerned was he just worried about his online profile and the holy spirit said no this guy wants to serve me. This guy wants to serve me. And so he realized that what was his responsibility he needed to accept. But he also understood that later in his life as a missionary, as an evangelist, as a man preaching the gospel, that he cannot say that he was a coward. Like he can't say like, while others were taking up rifles and manning the front lines, I found a way to slack off. <laughs> he realized like that, that I can't accept that, but it put it in order that yes, the, the war with China comes first, which is something I've always believed, but I've never seen it exactly, you know, like both things in a dream. First, there's the war with China and then the Russians come become. And so that supports what um, I believe uh, Henry Groover was describing, although he didn't state as much and what Dimitri Dudeman has explicitly stated that first there's a war with China, that this is the plot of the evil people, that they desire to lure the United States into a war in Asia, which is something I've seen happens first. Well, I always believed it happened first because it didn't make sense to me that the United States would send a lot of troops into Asia where there was a war on U.S. soil, like they would rather concentrate on defending their own land, their own cities and people and resources. So, so the Holy Spirit answered that prayer, and this is something that Everyone should understand, if you want to hear from God, ask some questions. If you want to know something, pray and ask. A lot of people say, well, where do I go? What should I do? Pray and ask. If you pray one day and you receive nothing, or maybe you did and you heard something in a dream, but you just didn't remember it, pray again the next night. There have been many times where I've prayed seven nights and only on the seventh night did I receive the dream. In fact, I don't even remember how many days ago it was that I prayed and said, Holy Spirit, please teach me about the order of events. And last night I received a dream. Okay, so, and I believe that, again, that's because the Holy Spirit often gives me a dream the night before I do a radio show. So, uh, I had prepared this message uh, back in July, and it's just called, You Have to Clean Your Closet. Like I was praying, the Lord said, this is the message, you have to clean your closet. And as I began to flesh it out, the Holy Spirit showed me that, you know, there comes a, a, a cutoff. You know, there's, there comes a time when there's no more time to repent. And the time, so the time to repent is now. Like the time to repent is now. So you need to go and clean out your closet. So what's in the closet? Well, things that you're hiding that you don't want, you know, the public to know about, something that you're ashamed of, maybe you've been struggling against it, uh, but it's time to address that, really attack it, really just start uh, coming before the Lord. Father, please set me free from this, whatever it is, cowardice, overspending, overeating, lust, whatever your issue is. You know, there's the seven deadly sins, and there are all the things in Revelations that are listed that keep people away from the kingdom of God. So start praying against all those things, trying to boot them out of your life. All right? So... There was a time in July 2016, the Holy Spirit gave me this message, and he said, he said, I want you to tell the people that they issue this warning to the leaders of Ukraine that I 
am going to kill leaders in Ukraine. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm tired of them. I'm finished with them. Their wickedness is, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but basically because of their wickedness, they were going to die. And what really, really struck me was that the Holy Spirit made it clear that this was not a warning. Like, hey, change your ways or, or else. It wasn't one of those. It wasn't a Nineveh, Jonah type of warning. It was a proclamation. Your time is up and that's it. You're dead men. That's it. And I really did not want to give that message. So, uh, and I didn't. <laughs> um, I waited ooh, at least a week or 10 days. And at the time I was studying and I, I, I took a metro and I went down to uh, Universitet in um, Shevchenko district. And there was a McDonald's there. And right next to the McDonald's, McDonald's, there was this really nice little restaurant called Reprisa. It was cheap and you could get like a, a couple cappuccinos and a little breakfast and you could sit for a couple hours and read. And I love to do that early in the morning. So I'd gone there in the morning and I get off the metro and I get up to street level and my feet just locked to the concrete. Like I literally, no matter what I did, I could not step. I couldn't walk. I was like, Holy Spirit, what is wrong here? And he wasn't saying anything. And I started praying. I was like, is everything okay? And I understood, no, it's not. And basically, if I had gone, I always walked down this, this street opposite the metro, walked straight down to Bogdana Khmelnytsko Street, on which was situated this McDonald's. I crossed this crosswalk. In the middle of that crosswalk that morning, and I, the timing was perfect. Like, there's an excellent chance I would have been standing on that street corner. This car blew up. Somebody killed a journalist. He was, he was originally from Belarus. And I think, from looking at things, that there's an excellent chance that he actually was a spy for Belarus, like, against Ukraine. So this is a guy working. Uh, so apparently had associations with different kind of nefarious types. And that car blew up. And that was the first one. That was on July 20th. So I came back home and I posted a video. All right, look, this is what God said. Like, people are going to die. And so God put me like, you know, in my face, like, hey, these people are going to die. And when I issued the message, I really thought he meant people on Krushatik Street in the Rada. Like, I thought he meant uh, leaders of Ukraine proper. But what happened was every single one, without exception, all of the Russian leaders of battalions, military, militant battalions in occupied eastern Ukraine died, all of them. One guy, somebody uh, fired a rocket launcher through the window of his apartment on the second floor. Another guy, somebody blew him up while he was on an elevator, but they all died, like all of them. <laughs> and, they, and all of them, you can easily find their war crimes, Kill, torturing prisoners, killing prisoners, uh, all kinds of wickedness, right? So God was like, I've had enough of these wicked men. So people might think like, well, my government says war crimes are okay, but God remains in charge. War crimes are not okay. And you can bet that um, all the war crimes that are going on now, God is not overlooking them. Some of the catastrophic losses that Russia is suffering are probably exactly because of their war crimes. Like, these people don't respect God. They don't understand how God works. 
Okay, so there comes a time when God has had enough. And that's what I learned in this example, what was reinforced in this example. But there have been other times when God says something absolute and the time is up. So what? Well, and we need to be aware of this because we need to understand like, hey, the time to repent, the time to clean out that closet of hidden uh, iniquity, hidden sins, is now. It's now. It's, it's, it's Monday. It's Tuesday. It's now. <laughs> okay, so Moses, he sent 10 spies into the land. And eight of them come back. Oh, man, we, we just, these guys are too big. They're giants. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All full of fear. And God really didn't like it. Even though Joshua and Caleb were like, oh, man, this land is beautiful. It's exciting. Let's go down and grab it, like God said. But for those eight, and then all the people who listened <clears throat> to the fearful, instead of the people who had God in their heart, who had faith, who, who understood, God said he's going to give it to us. So it's, who cares how big they are? That's just the more impressive God's deed, right? So uh, because all the people listened to the eight fearful spies, God said, all right, you're not going in. And Moses prayed and prayed. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, it says, I pray thee, let me go over and so and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. But Jehovah was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And Jehovah said to me, let it suffice you. Speak no more unto me of this matter. Right. So God said no. He was unrelenting. And uh, Moses appealed, but it was too late. The action was done. There comes some times when you can do something. And this is like, was it really a one-off or were the people being fearful all along? They had been grumbling about different things. There had been different issues. And God kept warning them. He, he sent <clears throat> the, the poisonous, uh, what are those little birds called? I forget, but he sent some birds to them. They're like, oh, great, we finally have some meat. And then it turned out the, the birds were, were poisoned. And uh, they realized, like, okay, we can't grumble against the Lord. Like, we're walking, we're, we're oh, honoring God's plan, so we need to keep it to ourselves. We need to have faith, right? So Joshua and Caleb, who did have faith, despite all those around them never entering, they were allowed to enter. In fact, Joshua was, was honored and was allowed to lead the people into the promised land. Um, King David and the census. This is in 2 Samuel 24. And again, the anger of Jehovah was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. And so the people go out and number. They say, Oh, we have 800,000 uh, Israelites who can swing a sword and 500,000 in Judah. Which is interesting because the total together comes at 13, 1 million, or 1, 1, 300,000, right? So it's like a 13, which is the number of rebellion. I thought that was a little interesting. So now God is angry because they did. They went out and did it. Instead of saying, wait a minute, God said never enumerate the people, never take a census. So we're not going to do that. But they did. The people went out and numbered the census, uh, numbered the people. And so David came before God and said, you know, please have have mercy. And God said, well, there has to be some penalty, but I'll let you pick. You can have seven months of famine, uh, three months of fleeing before your enemies, and they'll chase after you, or three days of pestilence. And he said, well, 
let it be three days of pestilence because God is merciful. And so pestilence came and people died, but God was merciful and he relented before the, the I think even after the end of the first day. So uh, God was merciful, but there was a price to pay. And sometimes when we're playing with sin, the price is more than we want to pay. There's a time uh, a man came and Jesus healed him and Jesus says, go and sin no more or something worse will happen to you. And I think the man had been crippled. Like something worse than that will be your condition. So there's an implication that the original state of his condition was because of sin. Sin no more or something worse will happen to you. There's this, there's a clear implication that the man was in his crippled state because he had done, his life had been sinful. And Jesus is saying, don't return to the sin. In Revelation 22.11, it says, uh, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So there's this, and, and I remember when I first read this, I was like, wait a minute, let him be unjust still? So he's saying like, you know, can I not, should I not come and tell that guy to live holy? It, it, it's a hard thing to accept, but there's a time. There's a time when you can no longer sin. And again, there's sometimes you're just, someone's living in wickedness. They're carrying a lie. <clears throat> they're living a lie and they don't want to release it. And sometimes there just comes a single moment where that's it. Like that's the last thing. Like uh, I, God just has enough right there. Ananias and Sapphira. In the book of Acts chapter 5, uh, the two of them come and lie to God. They claim that, so what's happening is, <clears throat> after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit moves so thick onto everyone that they're all loving one another as themselves. And people that have property and possessions, they sell them and they share the money with everyone that everyone can have to eat and who, who needs something that money is used to buy them what they need. Maybe someone needs some sandals or a, a new shirt or something. Then that money is used to help the group. And people are happy with this. But there comes a man named Ananias and his wife. They sell a piece of land. And they say, yes, we're giving the whole group of money. All the money we receive, we're giving it to the group. Because I'm assuming that's what everyone else has done. And they want to look good. Or that's what the people who received the most recognition have done. And so they want to be in that group. Oh, yeah, we gave everything. But really, they've held back a portion for themselves which is a type of fear, maybe, like, well, God is not going to provide, or maybe they're thinking, well, uh, we have different aspirations, you know, something later, whatever their motivation, they did it. And Ananias comes before Peter. Now, at this time, the presence of God is so heavy upon Peter that he just prays for a napkin, a piece of cloth, and people take that cloth and lay it on the sick, and those people are healed. He walks past people who are lying down sick. His shadow passed over them, and they were healed. This is how thick the presence of God is on Peter. So Ananias comes into the presence of God. So this is this thing we always hear, like, sin separates you from God, right? People don't want to come into the light afraid that their sins will be exposed. It's not true, by the way. God doesn't uh, expose our sins, 
the only time God has ever shown me someone's sin, it's because he was telling me, like, don't worry, I'm going to fix this. Like, tell this person, don't worry, I have a plan. You're going to be delivered from this. Don't worry about it. Or he just shows me so that I can pray. I, there's not there. It's very rare in my experience where God shows me someone's sin and tells me, tell everyone about this because I'm going to bring this person down. And it's because of this sin. It's not that the enemy brought him down because I couldn't protect him. No, it's because he had this secret sin and it's going to be come out. And then it comes out. And he, and then I thought like, oh, it will come out in a year. Came out in one month. You know, so this is a way that God acts. So there, there comes a time, like he had reached this particular man, he had reached his limit, and now it was time. And I wasn't the only one who gave that warning. There were other people, and there were also people who don't have a ministry of outing people, you know, or calling out people's sins. You know, it's definitely not something uh, that anyone enjoys, but if you're called to do it, then you just obey. So Sapphira also comes out. So Ananias, he lies to Peter, he says, he says, did you sell the, your land for this such and such a sum? And, and, and I says, yes, I did. And then he said, and he drops dead because he lied. And the say goes the same with his wife. She shows up later, no idea that her husband has perished. And Peter asks her again, and she lies in the presence of God. And that lie caused her to perish. And this is why sometimes we seek God and we can't find God. We can't hear the voice of God. And why? Because our sin is a barrier between us. God can't approach because there will be consequences. Sin cannot thrive in the presence of God. There's a very real chance, and I expect it's true, that um, somebody filled with sin were to come into the presence of God to just perish, <laughs> just drop dead, just like happened to Ananias and Sapphira. And then, but, but the interesting part is this, like what happens afterward? In Acts 5.11, it says, And great fear, after Ananias and Sapphira died, and great fear came upon the church, and uh, upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. So the testimony goes around. Wow, these people lied in the presence of God, and they died. Verse 12, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So it means they're now at the temple of God, where before they were oppressing uh, Jesus and the others. Now all these believers with these miracles and the displays of the power of God, they're right up now in the temple preaching, all with one accord, unity. Unity was the result. People saw the power of God, even though it was in a way that uh, was very harsh. I mean, these people died, right? So this, uh, now I have, how do you know what what you're doing? Well, you can pray and ask. Some Many years ago when I was uh, living in the state of Georgia, uh, the, the, what do they call it, the Peach State? So I was living there uh, in, in uh, the university town where uh, uh, the University of, of, of Georgia is located uh, with the Bulldogs. And I was living there. And um, I heard this radio show, and the man says, you know, I prayed. I said, well, God, what are my flaws? What do I need to work on? And he talked about what God told him and how he proceeded to, you know, get those things out of his life. And I thought, well, that sounds really smart. Like, why don't I do that myself? So I went home. I was like, Lord, you know, what are my character flaws? You know, what are my flaws? And he said, well, first, you're too hard on yourself. I thought, yeah, 
I could see that. You know, I, I definitely see that. That's definitely true. I, I am hard on myself all the time. And he said, and also you're arrogant. And, oh, you know, when God tells me something I don't want to receive, <laughs> something about myself, I always have the same reaction. I think it's funny that I say, I just say, oh, you know, I, I, I don't think that's true. You know, the first one, I was like, sure, yeah, that's true. And then the next one, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, arrogant? No, nah, I don't think that's true. And immediately I had this little flash vision. He said, he said, well, then I, the Holy Spirit said, then I challenge you to shave off all of your hair and go into work tomorrow. And immediately I saw myself, I imagined myself walking into work past the secretaries who would then say like, why has he shaved his head? And how they would whisper after I went to my office. And, you know, I thought, wow, there's no way I can do that. And I was convicted. Yeah, that's er caring what other people think. But what will they think? This is a form of arrogance. It absolutely is. And it's how other people can control you. And it's one of the reasons you really, if you want to be free to walk with Christ, you really have to get past arrogance. So it's something, you know, I I still have to wage against. And any time I hear some kind of an arrogant thought, boy, I just come against it. But wow, you know, it was really healing to do that. So it's something that you can do. So I want to repeat that. Just pray, Holy Father in heaven, please reveal to me. You know, I, I pray, Lord, for everyone who's listening, that you will send them dreams that... Uh, you will speak to them, Father, that they will happen upon the scriptures that address any type of issue that they have in their life that you, Father, would like to see them delivered from, set free from, Lord, that we might be uh, sanctified, that we might be improved, that we might draw nearer to you, draw closer to you, Father, for myself as well, Lord, that you will show us where our errors are, what our issues are, and heal us, Father. Bring us into acceptance and understanding, and that we would believe in and have faith in your power, Lord, to set us free, Almighty King, that by your grace, Almighty God, we be delivered. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you, you want to say a prayer like that, like, Lord, Lord show me, where, where am I going? And then another time, uh, I just heard somebody say, well, I prayed and I asked God, like, what behavior do I have that I should fix? And so, again, I thought, well, that sounds really smart. I have to do that myself. I went home and I prayed. I was like, Lord, you know, what behaviors do I have that I ought to fix? And he said, buying an extra one, buying an extra, right? This is kind of a lack of faith. Well, I need maybe I need two just in case, right? No, when I need the other one, God's going to bring the other one, right? The money I had when I bought the extra one, that was maybe for something else, right? So, I don't need to buy an extra. It's a bit of a lack of faith. So he, so he told me that. I was like, okay. So now mostly I don't buy an extra one, you know, unless there's a big sale or something. You know, but I, I don't buy an extra out of fear. Ooh, maybe next month I won't have one, right? I don't do that. So he helped me to get past that. And the other thing he said, films, right? Uh, so, you know, that's something else I'm uh, still working on. I still like to watch movies and serials and things. So... Uh, but he told me that was something I need to fix, right? So that's something in my closet that I need to clean, clean out. So we need to look at that. Okay, so that's the end of that message about cleaning out your closet. Now, for the next half hour, I want to talk about um, things the devil does to prevent the saints from understanding God's meaning when they read the scriptures. 
So a Christian wants to go and sit down. You open up the scripture. It's not an academic study. It's not a textbook. It's it's a word that's written by God. God put those words into people's minds, into their hands, and they wrote those words down. They're words from God. People like to say inspired by God, and there's some correctness to that, but I like to say it's God's word. Like God gave them the words and they wrote it down, right? So God gave us those words, right? Uh, so what am I going to do with it? I, w- I want to open that word. I want the Holy Spirit to be with me, because that's what the Scripture tells us, that it can only be understood with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, at one point to the apostles, they said, Lord, you know, why, are, why do you speak to them in parables? He said, well, for you, my, my faithful followers, it's for you to understand these things. I will explain it to you. And oftentimes, we, they share with us in the scriptures how Jesus explained to them what the parable means. means. Uh, but for the people who don't want God, they just hear the story and it makes no sense to them. They don't understand what God is trying to say. So we need to be like the apostles. We read the scripture, we read the parable, and then we sit with Jesus and we say, what does it mean? And he explains it to us. All right. Now, the devil said, well, I don't want them to understand God's meaning. So how do I do that? So the Holy Spirit once showed me a group of demons working to destroy a project that a group of Christians had decided to create. They wanted to create this uh, a system where children who had been abused and harmed could be brought in and uh taught to respect themselves and maybe learn a musical instrument, find some skill that uh, might help them have uh, more peace in their life, right? And just try to set them up to have a better life and not the one somewhat, uh, unfortunately, typical of people who've been abused. So the devils, they didn't want this to happen. And what they did was they broke down the whole process. They said, well, how are they going to do this? Well, they'll need to get some money. They'll do some planning. Well, how do we interfere with the money? How do we interfere with the planning? They looked at every part. They broke it down like a businessman. Like a businessman makes a schedule. He's talking, well, I need to order the supplies. Supplies will be delivered. Every node they wrote down and everything that happened between the nodes they wrote down. And they also looked at the people And they said, what is the easiest way to destroy this plan? And they said, let's find the weakest one. And they found one of the people who was uh, too bold. It was interesting to me. They said, this is the weakest one. He's so bold. If we challenge him to a fight, he won't pass it up. And that's how we will lure him into a trap. And but the but the relevance to the teaching today is that they looked at every aspect. And when you look at how the enemy comes against a believer understanding God's meaning, you see that they really broke it down and they attacked every node and every part in between. All right. So first of all, you have a, a print. Somebody translates, somebody translates it, they print it, they distribute it, all these ways, they, they make it difficult. All right. So I'm just going to start to talk about some ways that they change how they confuse you. So I'm talking with um, a guy on Twitter, and he says, no, 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 uh, the Bible existed before the world. I said, what do you, what do you mean? Show me where, where that is. And he gives me Genesis 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
So why does he think that word here means Bible? I'll tell you why, because I've seen this in churches, uh, the major denominational churches. The guy stands up on the stage behind the podium, lifts up a Bible, and he says, this is the Word of God. Well, the Word of God, with capital W, is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. In Genesis 1-1, they're talking about Jesus, the Word, was with God. Now, the Bible are words spoken by God, given by God, holy and worthy of our uh, study and commitment. But when they say the word, it means Jesus. And so this guy was confused. And why? This is called the fallacy of equivocation. When you use one word to mean two things. Okay, so then somebody goes up, somebody sitting in the pews, then maybe they're not studying the Bible, they haven't belonged to a good uh, Bible study group, they don't understand that they're supposed to be learning the scripture from the Holy Spirit to receive God's meaning, but instead they're just, you know, unfortunately following man. The Bible school teacher, he's the one who tells them what it means. Uh, He comes up there and he says, you know, this is all you need is this Bible, and I'm going to tell you what it means de facto. The, the, The truth of the matter is that that's how that system works. All you need is the Bible, and in parentheses, in the small fine print, and the pastor is going to tell you what it means. Now, where does the pastor learn what it means? Well, he went to the seminary, and who controls the seminaries? Not people who are friendly to God or to Christians. They are not people who are looking after your soul, and you do not have to honor or respect them. In fact, the best pastor is somebody who doesn't call himself with a capital P title, but calls himself Brother Jim, Brother Bob, Brother Henry, and he tells you, you need to know God. You need to know the voice of God. Holy Spirit's reminding me of this story now. There was this uh, this maybe 10, 12 years ago, there was this young woman on YouTube, and she was sharing her testimony, and she said, like, the Holy Spirit would come and fill her apartment. She'd be praying, and the Holy it would be like the presence of smoke or steam. Like, she would experience the presence of God. I've never experienced that. I was amazed. I was like, wow, that's really incredible. And um, she said that this Holy Spirit told her, like, uh, I- I'm going to teach you how to follow me. He said, in your church, there's a man with a gift of prophecy. I want you to go to him and tell him, say, teach me about God. And so she went to him. She said, Holy Spirit told me that you should teach me about how to know God. And he said, you never come to me. He said, you go and you pray to God and let the Holy Spirit teach you. And she was confused by that. And she's like, well, God told me to come down. <laughs> so so she came back and she prayed again. She's like, Lord, you know, this is what he said. And he said, go tell him again that I told you. So she does again. And again, this guy who has a gift of prophecy says, no, no. You go and you pray to God and you hear from him yourself. Don't ask me to tell you who is God, what is God like. And so the third time she comes back, she's like, Lord, you know, he still insists. And he's like, that's right. Because God's showing him that's how you know God. Because the heart of God does not want anyone to be raised up above anyone else. But he wants that everyone should know God. And so if you know God, that's the only thing you teach. And the truth is, that the definition of a false prophet in Scripture is someone who teaches and does not lead to God. You can give a perfect breakdown of 27 Scriptures, how they're interlaced, how they apply to prophecy and time. It can be perfect. But if you're standing up there and people are thinking, wow, how amazing is that guy? 
Mm-mm. That's by definition, false prophet, false teaching. Why? Because they're leading people to worship the man behind the podium and not to know God. Every pastor's true purpose is to lead people to know God. Okay, so there's this danger when we go to the church and we don't have this personal relationship and we think, well, the man's going to tell us what it means. And I'm going to believe the man. And, and, and well, everybody else likes him. And people say, oh, you know, Pastor Joe, he's like the best, you know, and he, you know, and, and the church has a, a 4.8, you know, rating on Yelp. So this has got to be the one. No, 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 no. You pray, ask God, where do I go? What do I do? And you read that Bible. Maybe God wants you to just find two, three, four people and start having a Bible study two, two, three times a week, maybe. Go to each other's houses. You have fun, make little sandwiches, maybe order pizza, study the Bible, share what God's been talking to you, pray for each other. That's church, my friend. That's real church. So do everything. Do everything. You can go to a real, uh, you know, a, a brick and mortar church on the corner somewhere, if God tells you to do that. He has a purpose. It, it, <laughs> in my experience, it's not only because it's not only because you, they're going to just love you there and feed you and nurture you. Sometimes God has other purposes, uh, like to see the bondage my people are under. He told me after I got beat up in this church. Okay, so. Uh, there are ways the devil blocks you from receiving God's meaning. So there's this fallacy of equivocation, which I talked about, where people think that the word, Jesus, is the Bible. And so they start saying, well, this is the word. And so instead of seeking Jesus, when the Bible says, you know, you need to know the word, it means you need to know Jesus. But they're like, no, you need to know this book right here. And again, I'm the one that's going to tell you what it means. Okay. Uh, another thing that just so the Holy Spirit, when I started writing this message, started showing me things that this guy posts a little video and he says, you know, and he, this guy has a um, an original King James. Uh, it's from like 1620 or something. And he's showing the Bible and it's really fat. And he said, you know, the Apocrypha were in the first editions of the King James. And he said they were only removed in the 1880s. Well, I never knew that. So that's one way they've changed the scripture. They removed the books that were eventually condemned by the Catholics and called the Apocrypha, right? Well, you'd be excommunicated if you read that. Well, why does somebody in Rome not want me to read words that are from God? Who cares? Go read it anyway, right? So that's one way they've changed it. They took parts out. So the the publication, the production system, that's one part in the process of getting the word to you. Well, we're just going to publish a different version we're going to remove some parts and that's how it's changed boom just like that well they didn't alter a word no they sure didn't in this case they just removed a whole bunch of books of the bible and left 66 books right um another thing they do in the church is uh and and you're conditioned by the school to learn in this way right in the school, you really are programmed. This is called operant conditioning. A man named B.F. Skinner, one of the first psychologists in the 1920s, he came up with this. And so in the school, they just – they tell you what to think. They tell you what the what, – what they give – they give a lecture. They, you know, they, you get a lesson in grade school. You get a lecture in the university. And then you have to repeat exactly what you were told. So you look to this person in the front of the room. He tells you what to think. And you repeat it, and then you receive what's called positive feedback. 
in the form of a nice letter grade, a favoritism from the teacher. Maybe the teacher will smile at you, treat you more kindly in the classroom, uh, give you an honor in front of your peers. Maybe at the end of the year, you get an academic award. Maybe at the end of four years, you get to uh, be the salutatorian or the valedictorian, something like this, right? So you get these rewards. So you get this positive feedback. This is, they have exactly set this up. The reason that they study things like operant conditioning is exactly to manipulate the population, and that's what's happening. So you have this school conditioning, and you go to the church, and you apply that learning without understanding that it's what you're doing. The pastor says, this is what, this is what it means, and you repeat, that's what it means, and you fully expect to be well-received. But again, this is a form of caring what other people think. It's so risky, right? Now, here's another thing. Revelation 13, 18. It says, the mark of the beast, 600, three score, and six. Except, that's not really the way they said it in Greek. In Greek, they wrote the numbers. And the numbers are symbols. The number for 60 looks like the Arabic cursive writing for the word Allah, the name of their god, the moon god of the Quraysh tribe, Alila, uh, just changed a little bit to make it into the masculine form, Allah. And then the number six, the Greek letter, just looks like the way that you would write bism, which means in the name of. So those two together, the 66 means in the name of Allah. And then the third one, the symbol for 600, see, they didn't have zero in those times. So if you wanted to write 60, you couldn't write six and zero. You had a different number for, you had a different symbol for 60. And you had a different symbol for 600. So there are, in the original Greek, there are three symbols. So this is just something that won't translate. It just does not translate the shape of the letters. You have to look at it in Greek. There's no other way to see it. So there's just this fact of the translation where you just lose Meaning, And it's not intentional. Maybe it wasn't intentional. But it's not possible to convey those meanings. You can't write, you know, is the number of a man and his number is 666. And by the way, the character for 60 looks like the word Allah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't say that. There's no footnotes in there. Right. So <clears throat> so translating from one language to another is a way that meaning is lost. And maybe even the best intentioned people, you can't do it. I've studied different languages. I speak some different languages. And, you know, if you try to translate uh, a word in uh, German, verklempt, if you try to translate that into Japanese, it doesn't go very well because the cultures are very different. The Japanese don't talk so much about their emotions. They certainly don't talk about despair or being overwhelmed with a desire to cry with emotion. They, 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 don't, they don't talk about that, and they don't have words for it. So you're just kind of stuck trying to find some word that's close, close enough. And there's going to be always, in every language, difference in culture. Well, a difference in word meaning because of the cultural root out of which that word emerged. So... There are subtle differences like this. So some meaning is lost. Well, how do you overcome that? The Holy Spirit. It doesn't really matter so much what specifically the words mean in the dictionary of English, because 
the Holy Spirit can tell you what it means. Or he can use that verse to start a conversation and lead you into a much deeper understanding of what God wants people to understand. So again, there's this personal relationship that you must have, and that's how you overcome mistakes in translation or other things, right? Another thing, another way that they block is bad teachings. Bad teachings, they front load people, and they think, well, that's what this is, that's what I'm seeing. I'm reading this scripture, oh, I know what that is because the pastor talked about it. You know, in the Bible today they talked about it, but that guy learned it from a pastor who went to a seminary, and the seminary curriculum was written by some guys who are sacrificing humans on October 31st and June 21st, right? These guys aren't good people, and the, the, the trickling, the... The Satanists' doctrines trickle down into the churches, especially in these major denominations. Look and see if your church is a member of the World Council of Churches, or if their headquarters is in Chicago or New York City. Those are bad signs, people. Those are indications that you should go somewhere else to find God. Okay, so people say, well, if you want, you cast out in the name of Jesus. Now there's this huge movement that, well, you can't say Jesus in English. You have to go back and say, Yah. You have to say Yahushua. You have to say Yahuwah. You have to say Yahoo, right? There's all these different camps, and it's so absurd because in the name of Jesus doesn't mean it's not witchcraft, my friends. You don't have to say a spell exactly correctly like in Harry Potter, right? It's not witchcraft. It's the power of God. You and I, we don't fling spells. We're not throwing power around. I don't possess it in my person, or in my wand, it's my faith. My faith that God provides, that God will come through. That's where I have authority. You have authority. We don't have power like Harry Potter and his crew of friends, okay? So, the wrong understanding of in the name of Jesus is that you have to say his name exactly perfect, right? The right understanding is that you stand in the authority of Jesus. It's just like you watch a movie about medieval times, and uh, the guy comes up, he posts a notice on the, the door of the, the bar and the inn, and he says, I come in the name of the king. And he means, yeah, you just see me. I'm a dude. You, you all could probably kill me, but I'm backed by the power of the king. And when you come in the name of Jesus... That means the power of Jesus comes behind you. And we know this is true because the scripture tells us when Jesus departed, he said, I leave to you the power God gave to me. I give it to those who believe in me through all those who will evangelize. Right? So we receive that authority in this way. And that is what it means in the name of Jesus. By the authority and power of Jesus, by his good name, I stand here. Right? And I might... My authority is backed by his power. Okay, so by teaching, they've confused somebody. So they read the verse, but it's called front-loading in psychology. The person is front-loaded. It's like there's a little space in your understanding, and there's already a car parked there that says one thing, and you read the truth, but you don't see it because the space is filled, and the truth does not come in. All right. Another way, and this is this is so different now. Some people, they really be, oh, the Bible's never been altered. The Bible is perfect. Again, who told you that? 
a pastor from a podium and then everyone who believed those pastors that walk around. It's never been altered. You know, God does things in an amazing way. When I was a boy, my mother bought this old Bible at an auction. She said, I don't know why I did it, but she just put it on a little shelf by our door and it sat there. And a few times I walked by and I felt like I should pick it up and look inside. But we had strict orders like, do not touch that thing because it'll fall apart. But one day when no one else was home, I picked it up and I opened it up to this page and I read this verse about a monoceros. And it's one of those things I just knew, like, someday this is going to be important. I don't know why. Well, guess what? Sometime around the, uh, the 1820s, I looked this up, they changed monoceros to the word unicorn. And then Hollywood started showing these uh, cartoon movies with, and making uh, posters that little girls could put in their bedroom of a horse with a single horn, and they called that a unicorn. So what they did is they changed the word to something that was undefined, and then they defined it. And then they started telling people, and you can find atheists who will laugh about this, ha ha, the Bible believes in unicorn. Well, monoceros is part of the Latin name for a rhinoceros, and that's what it means. It refers to a rhinoceros. It talks about the rhinoceros, and it describes exactly a rhinoceros. But the atheists and other people, they're, they're blocked from even reading the scripture because they think it's about mythology, including a unicorn. And you can even find uh, cartoons supporting this, all kinds of things, unicorn, right? Another one, if you read, I'm just going to read these verses describing a cockatrice. Now, if you look online, if you go look up cockatrice and click on images, you're going to see this kooky-looking chicken with a... Uh, some different animal body parts all put together, right? It's ludicrous. That's what they're telling you. See, they just want to make fun of the Bible. But here's what it says in Isaiah eleven eight, And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, which is a snake, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. Okay? Well, he, they're talking about snakes, so it makes sense that it's still a snake. But no, they're they're, they want to tell you that it means a chicken and something ridiculous, right? So this is the secular world taking a word and defining it in a way that makes the scriptures look bad. So it blocks people from the understanding. But snakes live in dens, right? Jesus talked about a den of vipers, right? And we know that they're poisonous, and that's why it's a big deal that the child can put his hand in there, because this thing is a poisonous serpent, Again, Isaiah 14, 29, for out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice. So what is the root of a serpent? Another serpent. So right here you see plainly that a cockatrice is a snake, right? And his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent, right? But again, a serpent, right? What begets its own kind? Serpents be it serpents. Isaiah 59, 5. They hatch cockatrice eggs, so some snakes do lay eggs, and that which is crushed breaks out into a viper. So it lays an egg, and if you crack it open, a viper comes out. All right. So we understand that a cockatrice is a serpent that lays, egg, that lays eggs and is poisonous. And if you look it up, you'll find that in the Middle East there are uh, native, I think, at least three types of serpents that are poisonous and lay eggs. So that's what it means. But the world believes it means something different, and there are probably some Christians who are a little confused on that because atheists and God-haters and uh, the television and everything controlled by Hollywood, they promote such a thing. 
Now, here's another one. Again, how did I learn this? Praying and asking God to explain things. I was debating people online, and I, and I, I, I learned to say, well, may God um, educate the one of us that is wrong, that God show us the truth, and, you know, deliver us from any false teachings that we may hold, that we may hold. And sometime later, I was reading through Revelation, and suddenly the Holy Spirit opened my eyes, and I understood. Now, how many of you have been watching the news, the weather report, and they said, well, look at this, in Texas, apocalyptic hail. And I remember people saying, ooh, even the news is acknowledging that's apocalyptic hail. That's how you know. No, no, those guys are never trying to honor God or respect anything from the Scripture. They were misleading people. That's not hail from Revelation. Ice is not hail from Revelation. That's what I always thought it was. I'd read it, and I'd miss all the signs that are telling me that it's meteors, because I was front-loaded, and I already believed that it was frozen ice. So let's listen to, let's, let's listen to the verses here. Revelation 8-7, there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. So you have coming down at the same time fire and frozen ice or rocks. I think rock makes more sense. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees was burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Well, I, I don't think that the ice is going to burn up the grass, but I do think that meteors will burn up the grass, because that's the correct answer. Now, here's 1119. <clears throat> it just says great hail, so there's no extra words. But 1621, Revelation, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, Every stone about the weight of a talent. It actually, I mean, it just says it's a stone, <laughs> right? A great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. All right? So he, they, he defines it as, as a stone, that it's on fire. So we know that meteors can come down with fire. And I'm sure if I looked it up, I'll find that somewhere where a meteor came down and started a fire in a forest or something, right? Okay, so these are simple ways that they disinform us of the meaning. They just talk about it on the news, they disinform it. Uh, people online come in with things, they preach it wrong. So they give you, they front load you. So the word in the scripture can be unaltered, but the word that you think it means in your head that's where they changed it. That's where they blocked it. The same as they really broke down the whole process. Part of the process is you see the word and you interpret it to some kind of meaning in your head. And they say, well, if we can get there first and put in a lie, then they'll believe the lie, hopefully forever and never catch the meaning, right? But people do catch the meaning. Okay. Uh, another way they can confuse you is that they'll just change a word. Uh, this was by accident. I somehow... My uh, Bible opened up in the New Living Translation, and I was looking at Revelation 6.8. And it says, uh, these two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and death and wild animals. So here's where there's a false teaching also, because uh, I've heard people say, well, one-fourth are going to die, you know, just in the, in the, the four horsemen. No, 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 it doesn't say one-fourth will die. It says they have authority over one-fourth. It's just like a policeman has authority to arrest in the municipality that hired him and authorized him. But he doesn't arrest everybody. Nope. And just the same thing. They have authority over one-fourth. It doesn't mean they might try to kill everyone, 
but in no way does it mean they will succeed, right? So that's a false teaching. And it's because people say that and other people just hear it. They don't confirm it like the Bereans. And then they go repeating it. And everybody's it's the blind leading the blind, basically. But I noticed that in the NLT, the word, when it talks about the four plagues that are coming, it says sword, famine, and death, right? But in the NLT, they said disease. But it's more interesting if you look at the word death in Strong's, this is what it means. The misery of the soul arising from sin, which begins on earth, but lasts and increases after the death of the body in hell. So again, this comes back to the very first part of the message that I spoke first, which is that you have to clean out the closet, right? What is, how is this death coming? What is the root of this death? What is the foundation of this death? Sin. So how do you avoid this death? Get out of sin. Get right with God. Draw near to God. What does the Bible say? Who's going to be protected in the end time? Those who dwell in the sacred place of the Most High. Can you dwell that close to God with sin? Ananias found out. No. So you need to clean out the closet, all of us, you, me, everybody in between. And we need to get right with God, right? Here's another way that's subtle. Subtitles. I've been reading the passages, and then I got a new Bible. and had subtitles. And I go read the passage, but the Holy Spirit already told me what it means. I've looked at the subtitle. And it's saying something totally wrong. So watch out for subtitles. In fact, now if I read a Bible with subtitles, I cover them up as I go. I'm like, I don't even want my subconscious to see that. I don't want it to influence me in any way. And it's intentional. I believe it's absolutely intentional. All right. All right. So we have one minute, Shannon. Yes, sure. We're live. Uh, yeah. Robert Avila, close it out for us. Okay. Uh, by uh, telling us, uh, if you got any final comment, give that first. But then uh, also give out your contact information, how they can get the books, yeah, and how they um, can support your ministry. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I'm I'm definitely trying to uh, build up um, revenue through books. Uh, my, it's I do not make a lot of money now, but everything I'm doing, I have um, wise counsel behind me. And it's going the way that I'm told it's supposed to go. So I believe that eventually I will be able to make an income and support a ministry uh, with books. But, yeah, if, if, you, if you buy the books and if you like the book, uh, please leave a great review um, on any platform because that really helps to sell books. People like to see a review that someone else liked it. Uh, I'm definitely not asking for false witness. But if you genuinely like the book, uh, please give a nice review and um, – that will be greatly appreciated. Um, to support us, um, my PayPal is robertavila at email.com. And I do have Cash App. And uh, it's a dollar sign. They all start with dollar sign. And then No Jesus, No Peace, which is my YouTube um, channel name. And as we mentioned earlier on Facebook, Robert A. Avila. You can find me there. And there's also Robert A. Avila hyphen writer and then uh, there's more about my books on there and you can follow me on my amazon author page as well and then anytime i publish a new book you'll get a notice immediately that's it shannon shall we uh pray awesome. for the close uh give out your email again and paypal if you'd like to again yeah robert avila at email.com email e-m-a-i-l.com right yeah, yes, yeah, that's a good point because people sometimes wonder if it's Gmail, but it is not. It's e like electronic mail, email.com. Okay. 
uh, and great message today. Robert, close us out in prayer. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, great and mighty King, I pray, Father, that this message and all the others on Omega Man will reach those who need them. I pray, Father, that you'll bless each and every person who has come out tonight uh, or today, this morning, uh, to hear this message. We'll hear it on different platforms uh, in the archive. We pray, Lord, that they will be blessed uh, to see your meaning and that they will seek you out through your Holy Spirit to understand your meaning of your words, Almighty King, and that in this they will be drawn closer to you, Father, and enjoy the love that flows from your throne. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Always an honor to have you, Brother Robert. Look forward to have you uh, again soon. Yeah. Good to hear you again. Have a Folks, good night. We'll have good this day. up shortly. Thank you, Robert. God bless you, my friend. Be blessed, Shannon. Bye. Folks, Robert Avila. Message called, You Have to Clean Your Closet. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, where are you tuning in from? This is a live program, as we mentioned. For the archive, today is August 14th, Monday, 2023. And uh, we're going to take a short break and be back in a moment. Let's go back and uh, do another song. Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com 